chummers. Glad to see you and I could make it. It has been a nightmare. Black ice and traces were keeping us from setting up shop. Well, we broke them. So sit back, relax, and let's keep the Candy Corp kids out of this. The Hidden Grid. Okay, folks. For those of you that are new, this is going to be a little bit like the earlier shows. Hopefully, we will get the technical issues worked out and we will not be having them anymore. So, until then, this is going to go fall back to our old format, which seemed to be okay for what we were doing. So, we're going to start with news bites. Okay, most of this is going to be just all of the news that's come out in the last three months. And there is a ton. Plus, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of other stuff for those that don't regularly check the Catalyst site. Number one, Peter Taylor has stepped down as the line developer. He has been replaced with Randall Bills. Now, this seems to be a good thing. Randall seems to be really on top of everything. His Twitter is constantly going about how he's working on the new Shadowrun thing and whatnot. So, that being said, now, number two. There was an open call for writers and playtesters. Now that has come and gone since this. So don't go writing up proposals and everything unless you're going to just do an unsolicited proposal. Now, as for new releases, there have been several, several new releases. The biggest ones are, of course, the SR4A, or Shadowrun 4th Anniversary Edition, as well as Bad Moon Rising, and Manhattan Rotten Apple. Now these are all right now PDFs only. The SR4A will of course be released as an actual hardcover book as well as a special edition version of that book. Uh, we're hoping to see it out by Gen Con. It'd be really nice if it was done actually for Origins but I don't think it will. They're probably gonna set it up so that it releases as the original Shadowrun book was released 20 years ago, and that was at Gen Con, folks. So, now the fourth little bit of news. Missions. The Shadowrun missions set in New York. There are two of them out there right now that are for purchase, which I don't know how I feel about that. One of them is free. The first, the other two are, of course, for purchase. Uh, they are in order. You have Ready, Set, Go, and you have Block War. Both of these are the purchasable ones. The free one, I don't have a name for on me right this second, so we're not going to use it. Now, in addition to that, there has been the Runner's Toolkit announced with exactly what's going to be inside of it. They're doing a four-panel hard cardboard game screen, which is going to be so much better than the old screen that they did before. Hopefully this one will be really useful on the inside. There's also going to be a beautiful, from what I understand, full panoramic illustration of the Seattle skyline in 2072. There's going to be a 32-page booklet of additional sample contacts and adventure seeds. Now I'm hoping that this isn't just a rehash of the one that was in the old screen. 
Hopefully this will be a whole new booklet. Then there's going they're going to include in this box set on the run, which is a first run for those people that are just starting to get involved in Shadowrun. Next is going to be the anatomy of a Shadowrun. This is a fictional account for it. It's all going to annotate with uh, game rules and how they would apply and it should be a very good first-time players little companion thing. Now, there's also going to be a 64-page booklet from the 4th edition and all five core books, which will actually be just for tables so that you can create your characters from using all of the core books in the main rule book. Me, myself, I can't wait for this piece. This is probably the biggest thing that I've been waiting for to come out. And a decent screen. Now, there's also going to be a pre-gen auxiliary character and kit system that's going to be for quickly assembling PCs and NPCs that should be nice and useful for your game masters and whatnot and also players. Also you're going to have six heavy cardstock reference sheets so that it covers things like combat, hacking, summoning, things that were before free through Pavio's site where now you're going to get them as part of this runner's toolkit. I'm hoping that they eventually do at some point a general primer for the game system and maybe a game rules primer which would be really nice but I don't see those in the future unless I do one <laughs> maybe I will also now what we're gonna do is we're going to do a little bit of house cleaning this is gonna be explaining kind of what's happened with the show and why it's been on such a long hiatus for three months I was traveling where I was only home for about four days out of every two weeks so between that and then having when I did finally get off of that kind of a work schedule I was also then the website was actually hacked twice not once but twice we fixed everything the first time got everything back up and running and two days later it was hacked again so we have been going through and moving things and updating all of the forums all of the all the back-end stuff that you guys don't usually see so if there's problems that's where those problems are coming from I'm gonna try to get a new theme up on the forum so that it's compatible with the new one until they get a remix done for the ones that we were using and hopefully the guy who actually did that will make that compatible and very soon that way we can keep using the one that we have because I personally like that one the best now next what we're gonna do is we're going to list off all of our newest forum members because we have had a ton of forum members in the last several months and 
with that being the case, I really wanted to definitely point out to all those people that have come and found the show, even though I haven't been real good about keeping up on it. But I'm getting a lot better about that, and we should be all up and uh, running here. So what we're going to start with is we're just going to start from the top and go down. So we have in this list, we have Argentus, we have Benjo, we have Cerebrus, we have Hand Amputation, we have Jehalad, we have Method, we have Sentry Gun, we have Shadow Acid, we have Noir Fatal, who you will be hearing from later in this show, because this person was so inspired by the show that they've actually gone through and posted a, they sent me an mp3 of what they think of the show and stuff, so we're going to be listening to that later. As well, we have Maris Tana and Chris Bartio. Let's see, I think that's all of our new ones, unless I happen to miss something. Oh, I did. I totally missed two other people. We have, as well, Crimson227, and we also have Black Metal Medic. Now, Black Metal Medic is, the only reason that I forgot him is, this is one of the characters, one of the guys that's in my personal gaming group. So, shout out to you, man. Okay, so, here we go. Now, now that we've wasted ten minutes of just the news and catching up, we're going to take a little break, play a promo, and we are going to come back with the main topic. This Modern Death. A podcast about traditional games, indie games, and segways. Is that a segway, Randy? You, you know, it's not a segway if you point out that we segwayed from one topic into the next. In fact, that is not a segway at all. But, but on the paper, it, it, that's it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What's, it doesn't matter what's on the paper at all. Everybody's mean to me. Find us on the web at www.thismoderndeath.com. Okay, folks, and we are back. Now, what this is going to be is this is going to be a little bit different than the traditional show, I guess. I probably didn't clearly state that when I said we are going to go back to the old way. What this is is we're not going to have a player and a GM section. This is just going to be a general advice section, but it's definitely leaning much more toward the... GMs as a whole for this entire episode. Now, the things that I'm going to say, I'm also going to try to throw in some player stuff so that you can still get something out of this. So, everything from, you know, figuring out if this is the type of game you want to play, because that all matters. Everything about having fun at the table is what this entire episode is about. Okay, so, what we're going to do is we're going to start with when you're starting a campaign... 
Now, what do you have? You've got a couple of different types of campaigns that you can run. Now, I'm going to go through and I'm going to list them all, and then we're going to go back and we're going to define every one of them in a way that makes a little bit of sense for Shadowrun. Some of these are taken right from the storyboard games and stuff like, or the story games boards and, and some of the other podcasts that are out there use a lot of these other these same terms. But what we're going to do is we're going to twist this so that it applies much more directly to Shadowrun in particular. So, for our types of campaigns, which you have to pick one, basically, you have a very traditional Shadowrun game. Now, traditional would be a very linear game. You would receive a call from a contact. That contact would then provide you with a Mr. Johnson, which you meet with, who you talk to, who you go on the run, who then double-crosses you. It's very linear, very formulaic. Now, there's nothing wrong with playing this type of game. A lot of people do enjoy it. And there's, you know, something to be said for being able to play a game like that when you know kind of what to expect. I personally don't like those games, but that's my own personal choice after playing for so many years. Now you have what is referred to as a front-loaded game. Now, in a front-loaded game, you have the players giving you much more of the information and the types of things that they want to do in their game. This is where your players have a lot more input into how the game is played, where you're playing it, everything that goes along with it. That all matters because if you don't, that's not a front-loaded game. Then you have something else that is much more of a traditional game where the game master says, this is what's going on and the players don't have nearly as much say in it. Now, the next in that is going to be an ad hoc game. In an ad hoc game, basically what you're doing is you're piecemealing bits and pieces of what you might like from other games and putting them all together into one. So you may have a little bit of a front load, maybe a little bit sandbox, but it's a one-shot or it's episodic. Now, these are all, we're going to go through all the rest of these terms, but that's kind of what an ad hoc is. It's kind of the catch-all for all the other ones. Now, you have episodic. The published adventures are a great example of an episodic campaign. You play through the adventure. That adventure opens, closes, you're done. Next adventure. Now, there are some adventures that are campaigns within themselves. Going back to early first edition, you had the best example of all was Harlequin. Harlequin was the FASA's first attempt at doing a campaign level, an episodic campaign using just published adventures. And they even told you how to do it, how to work it in so that it didn't seem like that's what it was. But it was a completely episodic campaign which worked very well. Tons of people loved it. There was a second one, Harlequin's Back. That's another one of those. And just recently, well, there's going to be two now, but the most recent one, which is Ghost Cartels, 
is seems to me to be a very episodic. I haven't actually gotten a chance to read through it yet, but it is a very much appears to be an episodic campaign. Short-lived, but a campaign nonetheless. Now, there's the next one, though, and this one is in, in the vein of the early Harlequin and Harlequin's Back, which is the Dawn of the Artifacts campaign that they're publishing, which the first adventure is called Dusk. Now, that is the first adventure for that episodic campaign setting because you have an adventure you're done with that adventure you go on to the next adventure that adventure is over it's kind of traditional but in traditional you're making up a lot of your own information now you have after that you have what are called sandbox games and these are the players come to the game master and say we want to play this type of game give us this game whatever that is, and it doesn't have to fall within the normal parameters of what is a Shadowrun game. It's very interesting because you can break a lot of the molds with this, and in a sandbox game, the players have absolute say in where the game is set, what is going on, and in addition to that, the next game session is based off of what they've done in this game session. They have the ability to control the campaign in a way that a lot of GMs don't feel comfortable with. I personally think it's probably the best way to run the game with what you do is you start actually it's more of an ad hoc because what I like to do is do a front-loaded game where the players give you lots of stuff and then run it as sandbox so that way they can just have at it once they're put into a situation of their own device, which is where it's all front-loaded so that the players know what kind of game they're getting into, and then you just start playing off of that. That is the best way to run this game that I've ever seen done. I've not gotten a chance to play it like that very often because most of the games that I do end up running are usually one-shots or very traditional games or even modules so I haven't really gotten a chance to run that but with my new group that's what I'm doing is as I'm running a very front-loaded game where they are going to after the first game session pick the direction that the game goes from that point on and my job is not to develop the game my job is to react to what the players are doing and to give them a lot of people that they can interact with that is what my entire job is in a sandbox game anyway now the last one that we're going to talk about are one shots one shots are great they're a really good way to introduce people to the game but they're over in one night most one shots are not one of those things where you play for a few day you know play for a few sessions and then stop that's just a very episodic actual game. What I'm talking about in one-shots are a lot of the campaign, or not campaigns, the convention games are a great example of one-shot games. You go, you play for four hours, four to six hours anyway, and you're done. The game is over. You don't ever pick it up again. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing that 
it gives players a chance to really flex their muscle and try different things because they know that in the end it doesn't really matter because they're only going to be in it for one game session and once that one game session is over they're done so that is going to be our basis for once you've started your campaign which is what you have to do now once you're in the maintenance of your game you know, once you've got the game started and you're actually maintaining the game you're gonna need to keep records of everything and records are going to make or break your game my advice is to not use one of them but use maybe a little bit of all of them if you can do it you don't necessarily have to but it's a great way to do it now here's what we're gonna do in this what I'm gonna do is I'm going to list all of the different elements by time like one at a time and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about each one so for the beginning what we're gonna talk about is is that you can have in all honesty you could have a pile of papers now that's probably the worst possible way that you can do this is to just pile all your papers together into one big pile and you just kind of flip through them and try to find anything. Now for some people that works and it works great. I've never been able to do it. I'm much more anal and I have to have more organization for my own self. Now there's nothing wrong with handwritten. I do a lot of things handwritten but I use other things to hold them like I'll use file folders. I'll use a three ring binder. I will use a three-section notebook. Now all of these are great useful items. Every game master should have them. Now as well as that every player should have them as well because you never know if you want to write down notes, keep track of all the things that you've got. That is the best way to do it is in some kind of a binder or folder something somewhere that you can keep all of your stuff together. Now, I've also seen people that use one notebook. They write their character in the front of the notebook, and then the rest of the notebook is just for that character. Now, that to me, if you're only doing like one-shots and whatnot, that's not a really practical way to do it. But a notebook like the one that I use for my game right now by it's from Five Star actually has a bunch of these clear folders in the front and it's a three ring binder but it's only the size of a notebook which for me is perfect because I get all of my things that I need plus it's even got like some cool little uh, trays for like three by five cards and stuff like that in a couple of the pages so that way I can keep some information that I need to keep all together in these little files and then I have a three ring binder in the back full of paper and three hole punched graph paper that way all of my stuff is together in one place if I need it now I will print off like PDFs if I do a rules that booklet like we have on the website in the download section right now I will take that pub print it out then I'll have a copy of it in here so that I can easily access it without having to have 
a laptop at the table because I find those personally to be very distracting. So, now, there, other people find them immensely useful and couldn't do their game without them. I'm a little more old school. I've been running it for so long without one that I don't know how to run one with one. That's another thing that I'm trying with my new game. Now, that brings up our next one, which is a computer to log all of your information using, I mean, there's OpenOffice, Microsoft Office, um, whatever Mac's version is. I don't even know what Mac users use. So, there's those. And then there's things like open, you know, open source, Abbey Word. I mean, there's there's hundreds of free word processors that are out there. Now, you can use any of those, and you just write your information down just like you would hand write it, except you've got it all in your computer, and you can find them that way. Some people find that to be great and useful. I am using kind of a combination of the two between handwritten and my computer. But I'm also using a wiki as well as a website, which I'm using the forums on our website actually in specific to do that with. So now let's get into websites because if you're on computers, the first thing that someone says is, well, you can put up a website for it. You can, and that's not a bad idea. So putting up your website, well, you've got to pay for your hosting. Some places you can get free hosting from. Uh, others you can't, so you do whatever you need to. If you want to pay for hosting, if you don't want to pay for hosting, it's six of one, half dozen of another. You make the call on what you want. So with a website, you have infinite creativity, and you can place things however you need to for your game. You can also set up places where the players can't get to because there is no link and only you know the the address for that page with all of that information. That's a great way to hide things from players but still make a website that all the players can actually use. Now, in addition, you can also do where to get to certain pages. You have to have a password. So you set it up so that those pages even though somebody may have a link, you know, you can link something from like an NPC into a into a locked page that only somebody with the password can actually get to to see the stats of. And that might be a way for you to do that. Now, another thing that you can do is you can use wikis as, you know, with the websites and stuff like that, you can use a wiki. Wikis are really useful for broad distribution of information that players can also go in and edit. Because if you set it up so that all of your players can go in and edit, they can keep their characters there, they can track everything. Anybody that they know, they can start adding what they know about that person. The thing is, though, is that that's a great utility for a player, not so much for a game master, unless you have a separate wiki that is has all of that information that you need. So you want to have two different wikis if you're going to do something like that. And there's tons of wikis out there. There's, I think it's OpenWiki. There's a couple of free different wiki, wiki sites and wiki formats. But then there's also websites that host wikis 
on them. Things like wet paint, and they're free. You just sign up, you've got a wet paint site, boom, you can go in, you can add things, you can lock out things, you can make things, people that can only come to the site if they're invited and that's the only people that can join. So there's a lot of pluses to that. Now the negative is, is that if you have no internet connection, you can't use any of that information. So same thing with your website. If you have a website and you lose your internet connection for whatever reason, power outage, whatever, you can't get to it. Same thing with your computer. But if you have handwritten as well as any of these others, that way you kind of have both of them. and You have a backup that you can always use even if everything goes to pod. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about are blogs. Because you can use a blog just like you would for like a podcast, but you would use it as a, a reader so that you can post comments or you can post information and then players can go to that and they can comment on it and that would give you kind of a interaction between the players and the game master away from the game table. This is a way to kind of tie things around and make everything into a neat fun little bundle. Um, when I started my newest campaign I did something that I wasn't sure, I'm not sure if I would do it the same way again, but I what I did was I came up with all of the characters, NPCs, that, all their contacts and stuff that knew them, that the players had bought, and I came up with the first job, and in that first job, the contact actually I am'd the character and wanted to discuss this help that the character was going to give him or that he, if he could do it and then it became that character's responsibility to put together his own Shadowrun team. Now the thing is, is that prior to this point we had found a way for him to know two of the other characters in the group and then two of the other characters out of the five, because there's five total in my group, so you had two that knew each or three of them that knew each other off the bat. One that knew one of those three, and then the other one, who was kind of the wild card in the group, he was actually a, con he was the friend of a contact for the character that received the job. And I used way tons of metagame to find a way to put this group together and I gave the player I said hey this is how you can do it and all of my players were really happy that there was a neat tidy bundle that they could put everything together in and make it all work and what that means is that I'm now using a website I have a wiki I also have handwritten stuff and I use my computer for all of my so out of these all you can use bits and pieces from each thing the thing that fits what you're trying to do the best may be to have something on your computer whereas having the entire job laid out on a website is probably not the most practical thing to do but having it handwritten sure as hell is 
also having it on your computer so that if you need to, you can still access it. And that way you keep all of the players involved, but at the same time there are limits to what they can do. And that's what you want because players need direction, at least in the beginning. Once they have it in the beginning and they can start playing, they will take the game in directions that you've never thought of. And that's never a bad thing. But eventually what happens is, is that it's time for campaigns to come to a close. Now, when is enough so that the game ends? Now, you may set it up that you know, for like a one-shot, well, at the end of this game sessions, that's the end of the campaign. For an episodic, it may be four or five years before that game is officially over. Games don't need to run that long to be campaigns. Six to nine months, you've got a campaign. This way, what happens is is that the GM doesn't burn out and that's what you really want is you don't want to have a GM get burned out because he'll never come back to the game or it'll be years before he comes back to the game so you don't want to burn him out so if you're not having fun maybe it's time to step away and try something else or maybe all the players really seem interested in trying something different and maybe that's a time to call it quits there's a lot of reasons why campaigns come to closes, but there's it's a natural cycle. Games begin, there's a lot of enthusiasm, that enthusiasm wanes off. As soon as that enthusiasm starts to slide, hit them with a big bang and stop it. What that does is then you've engendered this, well there's this there's this thing that's still going on out there, whatever that thing is. And the players will want to find out what happens with that. Let them wonder. Let it hang. And when you start the next campaign, maybe you don't want them playing those characters. You make the whole group make all new characters and they see the consequences of that big bang at the end of the last campaign. Now, what I'm saying is don't take a victory from the players. Drop a bombshell. Dropping a bombshell does not negate everything that the players have done and make it worthless. What it does do is it makes them want to come back to the game system and to this game in particular because there are so many games and so many stories to tell with Shadowrun that you need time to do it so you don't want to run these campaigns that last for years and years and years now not that there's anything wrong with that because I have run games that were multiple years I have come to realize that some of the better ones that you do is when the time comes be willing to let the game end and let that campaign draw to a close because as soon as you let that campaign draw to a close you don't have any more problems people want to come back to the game they don't want to wait 
So what this is going to do is this is actually going to close up the last of this. We're going to run a promo and then I am going to come back and give out the closing information. And I think we're going to call that a show, folks. It has been really nice to get back into the swing of things. And I'm really hoping that I can get uh, the last of my technical issues figured out and handled so that I can get lots of good stuff coming your way and I can get my co-hosts back because this is really hard to do when you're all by yourself. So, okay, folks, it's been great and I will see you soon. Hey, I'm Rich. And I'm Mick. And we're from the Canon Puncture Show. We host a bi-weekly show on tabletop RPGs where we scour the internet and find blogs and news of interest, share them with you, and then give our take on them too. It's like an audio comment thread slash meme catcher type thing. So check us out on canonpuncture.com. That's canon, like law, not the gun. And then puncture, as in makingholes.com, where you can find us in iTunes or Zune Marketplace. Okay, folks. Well, here is where we're going to go ahead and throw out all of our contact information. And there is a ton. So, listen up and pay attention. For email, you can email me at zendead at hiddengrid.com. You can come to our forums and become an active member there by going to hiddengrid.com slash forums. Now in there, there is always a thing for the, a board for the newest episode, so you can go ahead and post your comments there. Also, you can post comments on the blog, which you can find at hiddengrid.com slash blog and post it under the newest one. You can email us an mp3 file if you wish and I can play those back and listen to your comments there as well as if anyone does that I will post them so be ready to have your stuff posted in the uh, internet folks. Now as well as all of those you can contact me on Skype at Hidden Grid. You can find me on Twitter more often than not at Hidden Grid. You may as well find me on Yahoo Messenger and AOL Messenger as Hidden Grid. And my MySpace, if you choose to go that route, is going to be under Hidden Grid as well. I've got a theme going there. Now, all of those are great and excellent ways to contact us. You can also, if you don't feel like using that email address, you can also use the old email address, which is hiddengrid at gmail.com. Now, I'm going to be using that one more for correspondence with Catalyst and the people there, and I'm going to be using the Zendead at Hidden Grid for you, the listeners, as a separate email account that only you guys will get. Now, in addition to all of that, just so we all know, Hidden Grid is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 
non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 U.S. license. And remember, there's several great proverbs in the shadows, folks. But remember this one, chummers. Conserve ammo, shoot straight, and never, ever deal with a dragon.